What up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast. It's our NBA Hoops at Lunch show. It's been a long time since I talked to you guys about the NBA because the NBA, frankly, screwed me all regular season, and I put it on the back burner to focus on golf and baseball, but I connected with the homie, David Troy, and we're ramping it back up for the NBA play-in games, which start tonight. We're recording Tuesday, April 11th, both 7 and 8 seeds in each conference face-off, and then the 9s and 10s play Wednesday, April 12th. Me and David are going to go through all four games, give out our analysis, our best bets, picks, leans. Hopefully, we come up with some plays together because we usually do well when that happens. David, thank God you're back. How are you? I'm good, man. It's... uh been a long nba season it's been a, one of the weirder ones that i can remember personally um you know since betting on this like it just feels like one of those seasons where the players didn't care more than normal and the weirdness of games was at like an all-time high i mean there you know every year you get a ton of games that have like 20 point comebacks and um other stuff but there, there were just so many this year that it was like what the hell's happening here and, and why, why is it going on this way? So I'm hoping most of that, if not all of it disappears because of the playoffs. So we'll see. Yeah. I can't wait for them to start load management in the playoffs. Oh yeah. That'll be interesting. Oh, well, we're up three games to one. Let's just take them out until. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's wait until it gets to game six and then we'll, we'll yeah. get all the starters back in. Yeah. Instead of just finishing it out and getting a nice week off anyway. I think it, you were, it's ridiculous. I think you were being very nice to the NBA. This has been by far the worst NBA regular season of my life. Not just from a betting perspective, mostly from an entertainment um, perspective. It's well, the load management has been just a nightmare, and it, it should be a scandal. Frankly, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not even that to me. Like you would think, if you looked at the standings and you saw how like jumbled up the West all was. Um, you would think that that would be one of the, like, like a good sign of the NBA because, you know, some teams were basically like, even to the last day had a chance of being the sixth seed that they're playing in the play in. And, um, it really was only the top three that were set until like the last week, but it just kind of was one of those situations where it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was because the competitiveness was there with everybody. It just was more that no one gave a shit and everybody was like, well, at least we'll be in the play in, or at least we'll get in the playoffs and then we'll figure it out from there. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every sports league kind of strives for parody, you know, so it can yeah. make the regular seasons more interesting, but like yep. the NBA didn't have parody. The, the, the teams were so jumbled up. Like you said, it's because they frankly just didn't care. Um, I don't think any team besides my favorite team, the Knicks, cared for months on end, right? Like every team took like a little load management or just a, I don't know, just a, a went through a cold streak. Whereas like the Knicks, mostly the Cavs and the Kings really kind of went full tilt oh, the sure. whole year. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I'll even, I'll throw Denver in there. Denver did a little load management at the end, but like 
as anti-load management as I am, from their perspective, I understand because they effectively locked up the one seed for yeah. for weeks. So it does kind of make sense. You know, Jamal Murray had a, a, a bad injury uh, a couple years ago. So I, I get why they did that. And I do think uh, Jokic had a legitimate calf injury um, that they had to kind of monitor. But otherwise, I don't know. I don't know if I can give the other 26, 27 teams the same benefit of the doubt. In fact, I can. And we could spend a whole bunch of this podcast, even fire up another podcast with my gripes with the NBA this year. Um, Let's just try to move forward positively (laughs) and make money in the NBA playoffs. Because I actually got a memory from Facebook yesterday. I posted um, my record this time last year. And I started a gambling NBA gambling podcast for USA Today Sports last year, right after, um, right after the turn to 2022, January 1st, 2022. And at the end of the regular season, I was 31 games above 500. 31 games above 500. I want to say I lost track of the record this year, and that's if I'm being real with everyone. I wanted to lose track because I was so effing sick of what was happening. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. So let's just call it 31 games below 500. I want to say it was probably 20, 25, but still. Either way, I gave back all the regular season units I won last year this year. However, last year, I finished roughly even in the playoffs. Every other year, I make money in the playoffs. I think once... I think the playoffs are my part, my my time of the year for the NBA in, in terms of a handicap perspective because I really lock in on the matchups and I do a good job, I think, of picking out the the playoff situations between the the referee and the zigzag theory or the referee assignments, the zigzag theory, and just like the shot profiles of these uh, of teams that are competing in the playoffs. So hopefully. I can have as much success as I usually do. I said that coming into this NBA regular season, but as me and you have talked about literally every time we podcast, I'm fucking confident. <laughs> I don't know why. Yep. I, fuck, I don't know. I just am. I'm confident. I think I'm going to get the money back, dude. I don't know. So It's because of years of success, man. I, I mean, everybody's going to have a bad week, bad month, bad day, bad year. It happens. This one just so happened to be bad. I mean... There's hey, nothing else to say about it. At least we're going through it together, man. Misery loves you company. You know? <laughs> All right. Let's get into the uh, the play-in game. So the first one tips off tonight. It's, again, we're recording Tuesday, April 11th. Atlanta Hawks playing their Southeast Division rival, the team that's pretty much owned them for the last two years, the Miami Heat. Heat are laying five. Um, the over-under is 228. Heat eliminated the Hawks last year in the playoffs of the gentleman's sweep. Over the last two years, they're ten and three straight up, eight and five against the spread versus the Hawks. Uh, however, Miami has been perhaps the worst against the spread team in the season uh, in the in the whole NBA this year. For that reason, I'm not going to get behind the Miami Heat as a side. I also don't like the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I do have a play in the total. What of anything are you betting in this game? Uh, There's not much to this one that I like um, other than just taking the Heat on the money line and combining it with the Lakers. 
It, it's Ooh. anywhere from even money to minus 110, um, depending on where you're at. Uh, I think both of them win. I don't have faith in the Hawks. Like I, I haven't thought that they were going to be like a great team ever. I thought they were undervalued at the beginning of the season. Um, like I liked their win total to go over, but um, they had the same kind of issues defensively as they did last year. Then they ended up hating their coach, and it was just kind of a, a nightmare for that. But um, I I can't trust them on the road. Like It's not like they're playing good basketball right now or, or playing all that well in general. But the Heat also, as you said, have been terrible. So I can't really get behind the side either way. Um, you know, you, you mentioned something about the total. Uh, I only want to mention in this one that all six games that were in the play-in game last year were unders. So there was 6-0 and to the under last season. Does that mean that was going to happen this year? No, obviously not. But um, these are playoff games. And a team like the Heat doesn't want to have to play two of these games. I don't think the Heat are afraid of the Bulls or the Raptors. But you have home court advantage. You want to just get it over with and get in the playoffs and be done with it. Absolutely. Um, so, all seven of the Hawks games went under the total last year in the playoffs. The the, the two playing games that they played. Um, and the, and the, and the first round playoff series against the Heat. Just adding to what you're saying. Sorry if I uh, kind of cut you off, but um, uh, looking at props, not really sure if I like anything at all here. Um, like I said, I, I have a play on the total. I'm going to the under here. It's a pros versus Joe's game, at least according to Veasan, which um which accounts for the DraftKings betting splits, which is the the proud sponsor of the Outkick Bets podcast with Jeff Clark. So roughly 55% of the money is on the under 228 in the Hawks heat and 60% of the bets are on the over in the the Hawks heat. So typically when you see the discrepancy between cash and bets place columns and the betting splits, you want to follow the cash because that's typically the sharp side. Um, It's only sharp if it cashes, obviously, but I hate the Atlanta Hawks shot profile. That's been my thing with them the whole year. They take way too many contested mid-range shots. It actually looks pretty good coming from DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. But Miami knows what Atlanta wants to do, and they do a really good job defending them. Um, Miami, as a defense, is eighth in pick-and-roll efficiency versus uh, ball handlers. And we know the Atlanta Hawks, through Trey Young, love to run the pick-and-roll. Trey Young this season is only shooting 36% from the field versus Miami, 21% from three. Last year in the playoffs, he shot 29%. And watching Bam Adebayo defend Trey Young in just Atlanta's pick-and-roll action last year made me think he's the best defensive player in the NBA, and that carried into this season. Like, that guy... Wouldn't he a wouldn't play drop coverage at all? He would if Trey Young tried to back up to get momentum to kind of like get past Bam Adebayo, he would just keep following him out there. The guy's got the length, the athleticism to stay in front of Trey Young. Trey Young isn't that quick; he's crafty, and I think the Atlanta Hawks or Miami does a good job versus Atlanta's pick and roll tonight. And 
Um, they turn it into a rock fight like they usually do. They have the third slowest pace in the NBA, I think. They don't have a wonderful shot profile themselves. They do a really good job of closing out a wide open threes. They're second in paint points per game. And like you said, most of these, all of the play-in games last year went under the total. Um, typically, the public likes to bet overs in playoff games or in primetime games. So there is usually some value in the under, even though I'm going to about face that idea here in a second. But I like I like the the, the, the Heat Hawks under uh, 228 now is where it's at, and that's that's where I'll lock that play in. Um. I kind of lost you for a second, David. But any any props you're angling here or, or eyeing here in the the Hawks heat? Uh, to be honest with you, not really. Um, I was looking a lot at the points, and I, I feel like the Jimmy Butler point total is too high at twenty seven and a half. But I'm not going to play it because playoff Jimmy is just a different type of guy, and he's pretty much capable of anything. Um, I kind of was looking at some of like the the other guys like you know somebody like a Sadiq Bay who's coming off the bench how many point or how many minutes is he going to get in this kind of game um but he's played really well against the heat he's played well for the the Hawks overall so he was somebody that I was thinking about but I avoided um and there there are just too many question marks for me around the heat side about how many minutes people are going to play the only one if you're looking for something that you like that that I have the most confidence in it is Struess to go under 11 and a half that's because even as a day uh, of like two days ago he was doubtful for this game with some issue with his finger now I'll be really transparent I don't know if it's his shooting hand or not but if something is messed up with your hand that can affect your shot whether it's on your guide hand or your shooting hand um, and we know that's basically all he's going to do is shoot so Struess under 11 and a half looks good to me um, but again, full transparency, I, I didn't play it. I'm not going to play it. It's just one of those ones that, that was, uh, if I, if I had to play something, that would be the one I take. The one that I'm looking at here, I think the heat are going to do a really good job against Trey young. Um, actually one of my most, I told you this, I think, and I think I told the podcast this, but one of my most embarrassing moments as a public handicapper was taking the under and a Trey Young uh, point prop, and he ended up scoring a career-high 50, and I went on freezing cold takes. It was quite embarrassing, but a little bit of a badge of honor. It's nice to feel like, you know, maybe the blue check mark helped, but it was like, oh, man, I'm famous enough to be on freezing cold takes? I don't know. Probably probably not the, the, the best way to look at it. Anyways, I think the Heat are going to do a good job on Trey Young, and I think there could be a chance like Trey Young kind of gets like down in the dumps and just like offloads the, the, the ball handling and, and, and um, like playmaking responsibility to the other guards. And I'm looking at Bogdan Bogdanovich over 11 and a half points, minus 130 right now. Um, since the beginning of March, he's averaging 12.5 points per game, 47% shooting, 42% from the free throw line. He went, he scored at least, he scored 18 and 29 points in two of the four playoff games that he played. He didn't he didn't suit up in the in the series clinching game five that the Hawks lost to the Heat in, but he did go over this number comfortably um, in two of the games. Went under it in two of them. So I think Bagdanovich is going to get some run here, um, and I think the Heat's defense against Trey Young and just the pick and roll is going to 
open up some shots and and some opportunities for for Bogdanovich. I'm not going to lock in a player prop, but on first glance here, that's my favorite one. I think on the on the sheet. Any any thoughts on that or in the scheme? Yeah. Uh, no, I I like it. Bogdanovich can rack up points in a hurry. Um, and honestly, the only way for the Hawks, in my opinion, to win this game is if Trey Young doesn't have a ton of points, because he either needs, like you said, fifty to to beat them, or he needs to facilitate the offense. And when he does get like doubled, or they try and force the ball out of their hands, he's got to find the open guy, and they got to knock down their shots. So, those are the only two ways the Hawk, Hawks win in this one to me. Yeah, Bogdanovich has played in. 22 playoff games since joining the Hawks. He has scored at least 12 points in 13 of them. So as I talk about it, and as you make it's a point of Trey Young need, needing to be more of a distributor in this game, I'm kind of inching towards taking Bagdanovich over points. And you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm not going to write it up because all my plays are already publicly already published, but between us homies – on the podcast, I'm going to go over 11 and a half Bagdanovich points. Um, I heard from the Hoops Handicapper podcast, the JVT podcast from Vison, whatever. I don't know if mm-hmm. anything I just said makes any sense to the audience. I think you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, no, yeah, I know who it is. Yeah, they made a point. He made a point that Trey Young's been doing a pretty good job of getting rid of the ball against Atlanta uh, against the Miami Heat this year, and he's averaging nine assists per game against the Miami Heat. So he's been more of a willing distributor. Maybe they're forcing the ball out of his hands. But, again, I'm just kind of beating a, a dead horse here. I do like Bagdanovich to, to to get over his total at uh, 11 and a half. So I'll lock that in play, that player prop in. For sure. All right, let's talk about the next game, the Los Angeles Lakers hosting the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is at 232-and-a-half. Are you more interested from a betting perspective in this game than the last? Or what are your thoughts on this one coming in? Um, I would say I'm more interested in it from a betting perspective only because I'm less interested in the actual matchup. Um, I, you, you I told give you the Timberwolves my, pretty much no chance here, huh? Yeah, I just don't think so. I mean, look, I I was a Timberwolf supporter for the basically the whole year. Uh, I thought they were going to be way better defensively, which I thought was their issue last year. They were basically the same, if not worse. They ended up hating D'Angelo Russell. They got rid of him. They ended up getting um, – Carl Anthony Towns was injured for most of the year. Gobert was essentially worthless. Like, I mean, they didn't even use him in a lot of fourth quarters. Anthony Edwards looked good but couldn't, like, take that full next step that he needed to of actually getting over the hump and, like, uh, really going from star to superstar, if that makes any sense to anybody. But um, I get you. He, uh, he still, I think, is the most talented on that team and I think could be, like, an MVP or even a, a leading scorer in the league at some point. Um but, you know, they fell well short of expectations. They kept collapsing. They kept giving up big leads. I mean, they, they even had one late against uh, the Trailblazers that was just embarrassing in the last week. A, a team that's trying to lose games. Um, 19 and a half point favorites. They're the biggest. Yeah. It was the biggest upset in NBA regular season dating back to 1995, and that's because most tracking softwares did not have any data before that. <laughs> 
Yeah. So like, that, that's we don't, we don't even know how how bad of an upset it was, really. It was garbage, and and that you know that goes to show. Like, I mean, I I guess any team could win at any time, but at the same point, like the Timberwolves were up a ton too, I think, in that game, and they just let it go. But whatever. Um, either way, they they underperformed is my point, uh, and, I, and I do put a lot of that on Cat being out for a lot of the year, but. Um, I also think Chris Finch needs to go. As far as this game, though, now that I've gotten my Timberwolves rant out there, sorry. Um, Love it. I, I mean, I would look only towards player props in this one, and there are a few that I kind of like. Uh, I like Carl Anthony Towns over twenty three and a half points. I do think he's gonna kind of do that. He's he's been playing really well. There's no Gobert out there to get in his way. There's. Um, a lot of opportunity for him. 23 and a half is a pretty low total for that guy. I mean, he's capable of putting up 30 in any game. Uh, even against Anthony Davis, like, I don't see this being as much of an issue. Um, another one that I liked was Austin Reeves under 15 and a half points. Uh, just don't really see it from him in this. Like, Anthony Edwards is a capable enough defender. And if he's on Reeves, I think it's going to make it kind of tough. And then another one is uh, D'Angelo Russell under 18 and a half points. Uh, he has a foot issue. He's only averaging, I think, 17 on the season. And um, even in the first game against Minnesota, he only put up 11 against them when he saw them. Like, I get you can knock them down into the next play-in game, but I just think uh, – Russell probably might even be taken out if the the Lakers do get a big enough lead, like maybe plays 30 minutes and you still got Anthony Davis and LeBron James on your team, plus some other guys who are shooters. So load management, in-game load management. (laughs) (laughs) I I am seeing some of these guys like take fewer shots is, is I guess what I'm getting at with, uh, with some of these like kind of role player guys like Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. I don't think either one of them is going to put up a ton of points in this. So, um, those were the three plays that I, I liked in this one. So Cat over 23.5, Reeves and Russell under 15.5 and, and 18.5 and respectively. Uh, I'm going to play the over. I know I just talked about it going under the total in these primetime games, these playoff games, and you made a great point of all six of the play-in games last season went under the total. But as I wrote this morning for Outkick, styles make fights, and both teams – like to get out in transition. I actually was surprised when I saw this on cleaningtheglass.com. Uh, the Lakers get out in transition at, I think, a 4% higher rate when LeBron's on the floor. I kind of figured it would be the opposite. He would want to play more half-court offense, but I think he likes to get out and run and take quick shots. And the Timberwolves also get out in a fast break at a higher volume when Rudy Gobert isn't out there obviously Rudy Gobert isn't he was in case you don't know he was suspended for throwing a punch at Kyle Anderson um on the bench during the the Timberwolves Sunday game so he's not going to play this first play-in game he'll play in the second if, if Minnesota uh loses tonight to the Lakers and even even worse Jaden McDaniels mm-hmm. fractured his hand punching a wall now 
everyone likes to clown on Rudy Gobert, rightfully so. I'm kind of a Rudy Gobert apologist, and as I say that, I kind of vomit in my mouth. But (laughs) I am like a Rudy Gobert apologist. He definitely gets paid too much. They definitely traded way way too much for him. But I think as a basketball player, as a rim-protecting, rebounding, defensive big, I kind of like what he brings to the table. Anyways, supposedly Kyle Anderson called him a bitch a couple times. He shouldn't have punched Kyle Anderson, obviously, especially the timing of it is is terrible. But the wall didn't call Jaden McDaniels a bitch. What is he doing? (laughs) What are you doing, kid? Did you hear the story about it? No. Like what what he thought? Apparently, there's a curtain that he was like punching at and didn't realize there was a brick wall behind it. Oh, that probably hurt so bad. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's like you're not bracing yourself. Like, I've punched a wall before. Everyone has, you know? Like, yeah. I kind of, you know, I, I make sure not to break my own hand on the wall. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. Because you know it's going to be hard when you hit it. <laughs> <laughs> right. This guy punching a curtain. Uh, man, that, that kind of sucks. But they're McDaniels and Gobert are Minnesota's two best defensive players, and they would be tasked with guarding the Lakers' best two offensive players. Both teams attack the paint. Uh, the Lakers are sixth in paint points per game. The Timberwolves are seventh. Both take a high percentage of uh, of three uh, of field goals at the rim. Obviously, Minnesota's rim uh, defense at the rim is going to be hampered without Gobert. And Minnesota does a really good job finishing at the rim. And I think Anthony Edwards is going to be able to get buckets, even against Anthony Davis, who's one of the better you know defensive bigs in the NBA, just because I think Anthony Edwards is a superstar and he's going to get buckets almost regardless. Um, also, Mike Conley, the addition of Mike Conley, and, and frankly, the addition of D'Angelo Russell uh, for the Lakers improved both offenses greatly. Since the All-Star break, Minnesota's second in three-point percentage. Um, you know, like, Torian Prince can light it up a little bit. I'm going to talk about his player prop in a second, which I just looked at and kind of interested in. Carl Anthony Towns is a floor space in big, right? Him just pulling Anthony Davis out of the uh, out of the paint is going to help open driving lanes, and he can knock down threes with the best of them. I think he won a three-point contest a couple years ago. And Conley just structured the entire offense for Minnesota. Likewise for L.A., you know, they got rid of Russell Westbrook. They put another floor spacing um, shooter around LeBron, which which has obviously helped them. So I think both offenses are trending up coming into this game. I think Minnesota is going to have to pick up the pace to keep up with the Lakers scoring because they can't play any defense. And I think this is going to turn into a shootout. Uh, and, I, and I'm excited for the game, uh, frankly, because I think we can see big performances out of Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns to keep this game close. I say that, but I'm not going to actually bet the Timberwolves plus the points um, for for various reasons. But I, I do like the over. My my one concern is it opened at 227.5. I loved it at 228.5. I'm not in a legal betting state, so... By the time my bookie gave me the number, it was at two thirty one. So I was like, okay, shit. I still like it. And I'm still I'm I'm betting it at two thirty two and a half. But 
just, you know, between the homies, between me and you, I understand I'm getting late to the party and that sucks. Yeah, it does. But, you know, if you still like it and you think you're confident in it, it makes sense. I mean, what did you be, you'd be looking at what, like a one, I don't know. I can't do the math off the top of my head really quick. Let me just look it up. I was thinking about the team, uh, the team total. So 121 and 111 is what they have on uh, DraftKings, which is a 10-point spread, yet the spread is 8.5 for the game. That doesn't make much sense. But, I mean, I think it's realistic. Timberwolves give up a lot of points, both play fast-paced like you talked about. I don't have a play on it either way. I was also kind of looking at Torian Prince's uh, point total. It's at 13. Wait, let me make sure. It's at 13 and a half half minus 120. I mean, he's only started four games, and one of them he scored 35 points. The others, like, you know, whatever, 12, 7, uh, 4. But he is shooting 60% as a starter. I think he's going to get a lot of wide-open looks because they need to worry about Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And because they're missing two rotational players, I think he's going to be out there for a lot, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's a pretty good two-way player, right? He's a good he, he's a good role player, I think. So I think yeah. there are different things that he can do that will keep him on the floor where he could get the volume. Um, and I think most people are going to look at Torian Prince, who's not even a starter at 13 and a half with all these superstars out there and be like, no way, dude, he's not going to get there. I guess a lot of people probably aren't betting Torian Prince point props, but I think that's the initial reaction from the market when they see that number. So I think there's some inherent value in fading that, I don't know, that feeling that Torian Prince really isn't that good and shouldn't have a double digit point total. So I'm not going to lock in anything like I did with Bogdanovich, but I'm leaning towards Torian Prince over 13.5 points. And frankly, if I hit Bogdanovich and I hit the under in the in the Hawks' heat, I'm probably just going to bet it because, you know, I'm a, I'm a sicko. I'm, <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> I get it. I get it, man. All right. You want to go to the Wednesday games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the Chicago Bulls play the Toronto Raptors in the 9-10 matchup out east. Tip-off at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. The Raptors are favored 5. Total is down to 214.5. I think it started at 217.5. So sharp sharp money movement or sharp line movement towards the under. Uh, I have a play on a side in this game, but I'm you know, obviously interested in hearing your thoughts. What, what do you got? Hey, Chicago's your hometown team. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I I do have a thought on the side, and my thought is to take the Bulls with the points in this one. Um, Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you, baby. When you gave me that look at first, I thought you were going to be like, well, I'm on the Raptors, so. <laughs> but, no. No, I, no I we're Eiffel Tower and the, the Raptors tonight, or tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I just uh, – I, I've never really bought into the Raptors this year. I thought they were going to be terrible last year, and they, they proved me wrong on that one. But uh, I think this is actually a pretty decent matchup for the Bulls. Um, the Raptors are probably, what, seven players deep, so are the Bulls. Um, Pat Beverly and Alex Caruso are probably the two best defensive players outside of Ananobi. Um Ever since the Bulls have been going through Vucevic on, on offense, they've looked a lot more fluid. Um, DeRozan doesn't seem to be getting quite 
the high point totals that he was. Uh, but Levine is getting uh, pretty much whatever he wants. He's been shooting very well since the All-Star break. Um, so the points are a little more balanced overall anyways, even though Levine has taken over the scoring a little bit more from DeRozan uh, than before. But there doesn't seem to be like that um, almost frustration with, any, with with the team. So I like their starting five better than I do um, – the kind of hodgepodge of Toronto. So I'm not saying the Bulls will make the playoffs ultimately, but I do think that they can at least keep this game close. Uh, if not win it outright, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it. Um, oh, I'm sprinkling. Other, like, player... Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I don't, I don't blame you at all. There are player props in it that I like, but what, what's your thought on the side and the reason? Did you see what the price is for the Bulls to make the playoffs? No. Six to one. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Because I think they're going to beat the Raptors. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting, let's just say, yeah. I were to put $50 on the Bulls plus five. I'd probably throw like 10 bucks on the money line, something like that, you know, like a fifth of my, a fifth of my spread bet on the, on the money line. But yeah. I got a lot on this one, dude. I'll try to get through it pretty fast so I don't like, turn this into a boring, boring like just monologue. But Chicago's got a much better shot profile. They have a better wide open three point attempt rate on both ends of the floor. Chicago prevents the things that Toronto does a lot of. Toronto likes to cr- cla- uh, crash the glass and they score a lot of points off of turnovers. Well, Chicago is second and second chance points per game allowed, and they're seventh. Um, in defensive uh, or points off of turnovers allowed per game. They they don't turn over a lot despite them having like a weird point guard situation. You know, DeMar DeRozan does a lot of the ball handling and, you know, he he does a good job not turning the ball over. Um, Chicago's half-court offense and defense rank higher than Toronto's according to cleaningtheglass.com as in Chicago scores more half-court points per, per 100 half-court points possessions or plays ran and they allow fewer uh, half court points um, per hundred possessions. Also there's far too much Fred Van Vliet. I can't stand Fred Van Vliet. They need him to be good for them to kind of reach their ceiling. The Toronto Raptors do. And Fred Van Vliet was terrible in the Toronto Chicago matchup. The only game that Toronto or Chicago had Pat Beverly in for, against the Raptors. He was one for 11, uh, one for nine for three. And that was his only three, his only points were that one three pointer that he hit. So I think Pat Bev and Alex Caruso are going to do a great job on, um, on, on Fred Van Vliet. I think Vucevic could outplay Pertle. Like I like Pertle, but like Vucevic has enough game where he can get his points on Pertle. And I'm not convinced Pertle can give it back to him. And I and Puddle again also has to chase him around because right. will come out to the three. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If 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 Vucevic played more like Jonas Valanciunas, I'd be like, you know what, I like Pertle in this matchup. But Vucevic is going to pull right. him out, you know. Um, and also, Chicago has a better spread differential as a road dog, plus three point three, than Toronto does as a home favorite. They're minus zero point seven. So. 
again, I said this about the the Timberwolves Lakers, but like styles make fights. They're both playing at a slow pace. They're both going to play a lot of half court offense. Chicago's half court offense is a lot better. And this is the most interesting point that I found on NBA.com. You can look at like different, how they play in transition, how they play in pick and roll, how they play in isolation sets. Chicago is first in offensive isolation efficiency and first in uh, defensive ISO efficiency, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But I guess <laughs> thinking about it more, it's not like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine can just get buckets against anyone, right? And Toronto, they play a lot of isolation offense with Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, and they're not very efficient. Again, I think these teams are pretty similar identities, but I just like the way the Bulls are trending. I like their cohesiveness. I like the vibe of that team a little bit more. There's a lot of rumors that Nick Nurse is on his way out. So I'll, I'll take the points of Chicago. And, you know, the, the the total, the unders being hammered, if they're thinking the market's thinking less points, well, I think it's, you know, probably wise to take the points with the underdog here. So that's what, that's what I got in this game. Yeah, I mean – Nothing you say uh, is anything I would disagree with. Um, the one, the one thing I, well, I guess there's one thing I would disagree with actually is the Fred Van Vliet, um, like, you like hatred? Him? I guess nah, it's not that I like him, but the I hatred's think, fair. I do hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I I think he's got opportunity to be good. I mean, it, I'm looking at his threes right now. It's over two and a half. It's usually at three and a half. At two and a half at minus 130, like, I get he only went one for 11 in the first game, and he shot nine threes, and he only hit one of them in their in their last game against uh, the Bulls. But the guy is either going to hit basically, like, five threes, or he's going to hit one. So He's going to get the getting, volume, for sure. Yeah, you're getting a 50-50 chance here on somebody who does average, like, nine threes, and, and averages, like, three, three to three and a half makes a game. Um, so... I think there's some value in that. I would not play his points, which is at 18 and a half and also juice to minus 125. I wouldn't touch that one. Um, and I am a strong advocate of almost never taking anybody other than Siakam to go over their points on the Raptors because it's just, it's a crapshoot. You never know who's going to do well for them. Um, the only like Raptors props that I'm ever successful with are Siakam and then Scotty Barnes. And his is just shooting threes, like because he usually takes two or three a game, and he only needs to hit one almost ever to get the to get the cash on that one. Um, but I'd be looking in in this one at DeRozan and Levine. So Levine's point total is twenty five and a half. The guy has been on a tear, like I said, since the All Star break. They're gonna win. They probably need Levine to score a bunch of points for them. And if Vucevic is pulling Pirtle out of the lane. Levine should be able to get past his defender, even if it's Ananobi, to get to the basket. And if Ananobi is guarding DeRozan, that or uh, if he's guarding Levine, then maybe you look at DeRozan being over. So this is one of those ones where I'd probably try and look and see what I could get live um, in terms of player point props between the two of them. But if I had to take one now, I t- I would take Levine over his twenty-five and a half. Wait, that's an option for you? You can get you can yeah. bet live live player props. DraftKings has it. You Not love, every game, but you yeah, when I'm, when I'm sitting there, there there'll be times when they have the uh, player props available. What's the housing market like out by you? You need any neighbors? 
Yeah, sure. Come on over. We got a house house for sale across the street. <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll look that up on Zillow. Send me your address. There you go. Perfect. I might be close. I'll tell you what, I'm not anywhere close to buying real estate in, in L.A. County. I need to invent something or create an app or I don't know. I don't even know what. Maybe rob several banks. <laughs> Dude, my OnlyFans would not be, it would not be a lucrative endeavor. Hey, you know what, man? You never know. There's a market for everything out there. Uh Fair enough. That's a great point. I just, I don't know. Apparently, gender equality stops at OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> OnlyFans well, worth. Yeah, most women don't really care what a guy looks like naked, but almost every guy wants to know what every girl looks like naked. So yeah, pictures of my butthole just don't do well on the internet. Well, and I've tried, there you go. but that's for another <laughs> day. All right, I'm just kidding. Um, as you were talking. I thought about Scotty Barnes and his point prop. It's 15 and a half. The over is minus 125. I'm like an over Bogdanovich. I'm like an over Prince. I'm like an over Lakers, Timberwolves. It's time to sprinkle another under in there. And it's cheaper, right? So you can argue, well, the sharper side is the more expensive side. And generally in player props or you're correct. That's, that's, that's strong rationale. Against the Bulls this year, he scored 11, 5, and 19 points in his in his three games against them. The 19-point game that he put up was without Siakam out there. So, you know, he had 19 shots. shots. Um, and I think Scotty Barnes is, is probably going to get the third or fourth highest usage in the, uh, in the Raptors today. I mean, let me look at his season-long usage rate. Um, it's behind Gary Trent, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam. And it's close to OG Ananobi. But he's got the fourth best usage rate. And I think in a, in a must-win game, he's going to turn into more of a distributor because he doesn't have a lot of offensive game, right? Like, he's not a very good shooter. He's pretty good in the paint. But I just feel like his role is going to be more to get Fred Van Vliet open or or be more of a distributor for Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and or uh, Gary Trent, who I guess is coming off the bench, so maybe I shouldn't bring up Gary Trent again. But I don't know. I'm just feeling under on Scotty Barnes. He's had kind of a disappointing season, sophomore slump. I'm not down on him as like a as a as a for his career, but I think in this matchup, you can kind of go missing. 15 and a half is kind of high. And I said kind of twice, so it kind of, you know, pokes holes in my in my analysis. And maybe I'm not as confident or I'm not coming out as confident as as I actually am. But I'm just feeling it, dude. I'm feeling under. Scotty Barnes, 15 and a half. I'm going to do it. You know what? I just talked myself into it. I'm doing it. It's a gut play. Um, the only thing I would say is, like, I actually probably would feel – no, I'd – I'd probably feel more confident if like Patrick Williams was starting rather than like DeRozan and Levine with Beverly and Caruso and then Vucevic because I feel like the four of them, Beverly and Caruso are going to guard the guards and then Levine and DeRozan who aren't great defenders have to guard the forwards. And I just, I don't know. To me, I think that's part of the reason I'd like Siakam's over. And then I don't, I mean, 
I just don't know. Barnes is too inconsistent, so betting on him one way or the other, I don't know. But I, I don't hate the look. It's just I I don't know that he's uh, – I don't know what matchup he's going to get. Hmm. And that, that concerns me a little bit. We can look at it real quick on NBA.com. Have you ever gone into, like, their box scores? They're kind of a pain in the ass to get to. But it, yeah, they're hard to navigate sometimes. But I do like them. Yeah, I've used them. You can you can find out who guarded who in in the box scores. Um, I would see who Siakam or who Scotty Barnes is guarded by or defended by. Excuse me, against the Bulls. This is the first matchup. He's well, do maybe do the most recent one because that that had Beverly. Okay. People helping people. It's powerful stuff, David. Was I looking at the I was looking at the last the one. I just I just oh, backed out. <laughs> My fault. No, no, it's all it's all good. I mean, I'm the dingus here, not you. All right. So Scotty Barnes, we're obviously doing this in lifetime, not gonna edit it, so we're all gonna put put up with this shit together. Against DeMar DeRozan, which was his primary defender. He DeMar DeRozan defended him for four minutes, whatever. He was 0 for 1? Oh, man. He was 0 for 3 against Zach Levine, 0 for 3 against Pat Beverly, 1 for 2 against Patrick Williams, and 1 for 4 against Nikola Vucevic. I don't know if this is a team defensive thing, which is another point. Chicago's defense is actually low-key pretty good. They've they've been good in the entire season, top 10 in defensive rating. Sure. But I don't I don't think Scotty Barnes has enough game to get his own shot against DeMar DeRozan. Like, I know DeMar uh, DeRozan and Zach Levine aren't very good defenders, right? But, like, it's pretty easy to defend someone who's not willing to shoot. Sure, but are you... Did you look at the shot chart by any chance? I did. that's what I'm looking at right now. And I'm just seeing Barnes' shots, and he was 4 for 12 in the game, and he had 5 shots all within the lane that he missed. That, to me, is... Do for regression. Yeah, I mean, you would think that even if he hits two more of those, I don't know what that what that would put him at for the game. Uh, he, had, he had 11, so he would be at 15 exactly. Truth so. be told, my 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 biggest angle is the usage angle here on Scotty Barnes. Like, sure, I'm not a like Demar Derozan, Zach Levine aren't good defenders. I'm, I'm more talking shit, I guess, than anything else, but. I do think so little of Scotty Barnes' offensive game because he's unable to shoot that even a bad defender like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, can just back up and contest whatever shot he gets. If he gets all paint looks, then I don't really feel great about the bet. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's going to be shooting a lot. If it does, if he does, uh, whatever, I'll take my chances. That motherfucker can't shoot. All right. Uh, anyways. That's all I got on this game. Want to wrap it up here with the Thunder Pelicans? Let's do it. All right. I think this is up from the opener, but the Pelicans are now five and a half point favorites. Total is at 228. I'm just going to shoot you straight, dude. I got nothing in this game. I I've, I feel like I've lost a lot of money on the New Orleans Pelicans this year, and I really like the matchup for both teams in this one. I could see either team winning. I could see either team covering, if I'm being honest. The New Orleans Pelicans paint defense, rim protection is absolutely terrible. And 
OKC averages by far the most drives per game because they're so aggressive at getting to the lane or getting in the lane and getting to the basket. They have the highest wide open three point attempt rate in the NBA. Um, New Orleans doesn't do a good job closing out on three pointers. So I think OKC is going to get a lot of looks, a lot of good, clean looks. Whether or not they cash them in, we'll just we'll, we'll see. But I'll, I'll pick the Pelicans to win, but I don't have any confidence in them covering. And I I I, I just don't want to play the Thunder plus five and a half here because I think the Pelicans the Pelicans have gotten it going uh, down the stretch here. And I really love this team coming into the season. I and I like last year. I think they could make the first round tough for whoever they play if they make it that far. And I think I think they have the skills or the uh, the personnel, especially with Brandon Ingram, where, where they can they can put up a fight against any team in forty eight minutes. And I don't feel that good about the Thunder, if I'm being real. So. Long about way of saying I'm just I'm probably I'm just gonna pass in this game unless you talk me into something. But 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 what do you got in this game? Uh, I mean I'm on the I'm on the Pelicans. I think they're gonna win this one. It, if they weren't if they were on the road and the Thunder were at home, I actually probably would take the Thunder. Um, but this is kind of a big moment for the Thunder, and it, the only one I really have confidence in is Shea. I mean, aside from that. I think most of these guys are kind of young role players that this is going to be one of those like too big for them moments in my opinion. And you got the Pelicans who are, I don't want to say they have the two best players cause they don't. I mean, Shea is better than CJ McCollum, but I like CJ McCollum in this game than better than Shea at this point, because this is the biggest game that he's ever played in, in the NBA. Um, so to me, this is more about experience. I think uh, Pelicans kind of just handle this. They're sitting in New Orleans waiting for it, looking forward to it. I think they kind of come out and put the pressure on the Thunder. And uh, I I like them early, and I think they cover the game too. You like them early as in you're going to bet them first quarter, first half? Probably first half. I, you know, first quarters haven't been very good to me this year. Um, and – they have been in the past so you know for everybody who says like well it's only 12 minutes okay it's been 12 minutes for years and they've been successful for me so don't don't bother tweeting at me about this but the uh the first quarter of the game i i think it could be fairly close i think um new orleans may have to try and figure out how to stop shea i think the the first half though they being at, or the Pelicans being at home, their bench will probably play well enough to keep them in front with a lead, and uh, I, I like them to cover the first half better than I do the first quarter. So that one is for sure something I'm going to play, and then the full game. I actually played it at five yesterday. So oh, so you got some Moving CLV? Oh, can't wait! That's been so great for me this year. <laughs> Well, eventually it has to regress to the mean, or at least that's the, I don't know, that's the, the go-to saying on, on sports betting and sure. sports outcomes. Yeah, I know, I'm with you. The CLV kind of, I don't know, didn't it come through for me. Funny. Yeah, it didn't come through for me this year. I'm looking at the point props. Brandon Ingram's 30.5 minus 120. SGA's 32.5 minus 120. 
I have more confidence Brandon Ingram goes over than SGA, even though SGA has just balled up the Pelicans this year. I do think in this, you know, loser leaves town matchup, they are going to throw Herb Jones at SGA. Right? Yeah. I would think so. You can put Trey Murphy and or Brandon Ingram on Josh Giddy. I actually like Josh Giddy's offensive game. You know, he he brings a lot of things to the table. Um, but if SGA goes under this point total or has an off game, you gotta like the Pelicans in that spot. And I would assume Willie Green's looking at it the same way. Like Herb Jones, don't worry about offense. Just just stay in front of this dude. Don't foul him. Stay in front of him. Right? Like it's pretty. It's a pretty easy, well, not easy, but it's a pretty straightforward game plan. Like, dude, your your contribution today is stopping SGA. That's what we need out of you. And he has the mm-hmm. ability to do it. Yeah. So. Yep, I agree with you. I don't know. I, I don't have anything specific in this game. I just wish you the best of luck here in the Pelicans. I am a Pelicans fan. Brandon Ingram, I've, I've loved Brandon Ingram since he was at Duke. So I'm going to be rooting for the Pelicans. Um, and I just think the playoffs is a little more interesting with them instead of the OK, uh, Oklahoma city thunder. Yeah. I, I mean, Thunderverse Timberwolves would be pretty boring. Thunderverse Pelicans should be interesting. I think like nuggets versus Pelicans. I could see a world of the Pelicans make that interesting. Whereas yeah, like I, I thunder, would think they win at least one thunder nuggets. Like, eh. No. Well, that's not. I mean, that's not even the guarantee either way. What do you mean? Timberwolves go and play the uh, Pelicans, or the the loser of this game. Uh, uh, yeah, so. I'm just I'm just saying. It's like, gotcha. I think of all the team. Uh, I think out of the Thunder and the Pelicans, if one of them were to capture the eight, capture the eight seed, the the Pelicans have a lot better chance of making it a series against Denver than than the Thunder. That that that's my only point. Yeah, I, I can't, I, I, I can't objectively handicap the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like I just, it's tough for me to analyze them. Like I liked them a lot down mm-hmm. uh, in the second half, and on paper, I like, I like their team. But like, Jaden McDaniels, that injury is bad, and the whole Rudy Gobert thing. You know, who knows what's going on with that? So yeah, I'm kind of cooled on them, but I don't know. I. I'm hoping that the NBA playoffs is better for me and for you than the NBA regular season. It was terrible. I'm I'm interested in putting it behind me and just winning some units in the playoffs. Um, I am. I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm down to connect Thursday and talk about the playoff series based on what we know. The playing for the eight seeds are Friday, so we're not going to have that. You know, I want to get this podcast out by Thursday, you know, so we have enough time for the listeners to get our analysis on all the series outside of the one and eights. Plus, I don't – the eight seed in the East has no chance of beating the Bucks. I'll just say that now. Right. And I don't think the Pelicans or the Timberwolves have much of a chance of beating the Nuggets. No way do the Thunder do. So I'm down to connect uh, with you on Thursday to talk about this either way. Look out for my stuff on outkick.com backslash betting. Um, I'll be doing the NBA postseason. You can follow David's NBA postseason stuff uh, at beatingthebookie.com, right? Yep. And yeah. what's your Twitter again? FuturePres2024. So you can find me and uh, all my hot takes on Twitter. So, 
Are you going to do a gambling syllabus on the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs since you've been running so well in that? I actually have been thinking about this. Like the only thing that works for me right now is that I'm like focused in on one game every day for hockey. And, uh, I think I'll try and do the same thing with the playoffs, just one game a day. And if it works out, it works out. And if not, well, there are information that I fully disclose that I don't know much about hockey and it's just something that I've been working on. So we'll see. Well, hopefully you keep having success betting the frozen ice sport. Um, I'll be rooting for my, for my Rangers, but I'm not going to handicap any of the NHL. All right, guys. Well, I'll be back a little bit later today to talk about the RBC Heritage with Dan Z, and hopefully me and David can connect later in the week. But best of luck to you guys and all your NBA playing and postseason wagers. I'll see you next time. Peace.